to me, coaching is about relationships and, and, you know, at a place like North, I think somebody who maybe gives a little extra, um, support to kids goes a little further than maybe some other places. So, you know, at a, at a place like North, you, you know, you're, you're not just a coach, you're, you're a father figure, you're a mentor, you're more to those people than maybe what they would be at, at some place that, you know, where you may have a mom and dad at home or whatever. I don't want kids to leave my program saying, hey, I know a little bit more about football without saying, hey, I know a little bit more about being a better human being. And that's got to be critical for us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. It's always been kind of sad to me when people I meet fill me in on bad experiences that they had with their high school coaches growing up. Uh, It just doesn't match up at all uh, with my own experiences at North Salem High School. Um, I realize now that I've kind of gone through this high school coaches club and been exposed to a lot of uh, really great coaches and then through uh, parents and other people kind of reaching out to me through private messages, how incredibly spoiled I was uh, as an athlete with the coaches that I had growing up. Just, uh, Just incredibly fortunate. And once again, here today, I have an opportunity to share with you one of those coaches that I had at North Salem High School, Coach Troy Walker. Cannot wait for you to meet him. There's just no doubt in my mind that you'll quickly grasp uh, just how amazing he is uh, in this conversation. Uh, While you're here, though, uh, make sure you grab a sticker, leave a rating, join the free weekly newsletter, hit up highschoolcoachesclub.com or click the link down in the show notes to get started. I can't thank you enough for being part of the club. And a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. If you need any facility improvements, make Netting Pros your first call. They'll be your only call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. I assume they'd even do like ping pong nets or whatever. Uh, like they're incredible. They're truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country, not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're proving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. All you wonderful members of the High School Coaches Club can get $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus by using the coupon code HSCC. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. You can also find that link down in the show notes. All right, in this episode, I'm joined by the head football coach of the Lebanon High School Warriors in Lebanon, Oregon, Troy Walker. 
He's currently entering his second year at the helm. Prior to that, he spent 16 years as an assistant football coach, assistant track and field coach, and strength and conditioning coach at North Salem High School right here in my hometown, Salem, Oregon. That's obviously where my paths cross with him as a high school student athlete, and I'm extremely fortunate that it happened. Coach Walker played a profound role during a critical time in my life something all high school coaches have the power to do for their own student athletes. But I have a feeling uh, that there aren't so many who do it with as much care as Troy Walker does it. You're going to love him. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 65 with Troy Walker. Coach Walker, thanks for being on the show with me. Thanks, Max. Thanks for thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is a cool one for me. I've had uh, a couple of people that I've known for quite a long time on here before but you're you'll uh I know Chris Lee was the first guy I had on and obviously he coached me but you'd be you'd be the number two guy now in terms of, of how long I've known you and uh, just really cool to have this opportunity to circle back well thanks you know that's uh you're one of those few kids that kind of stuck out my first year coming in the north and uh kind of kept a little bit of a relationship through what 18 years or so so yeah it's it's good to see uh all those young kids growing up to be awesome people so i love it it goes it goes stupidly quickly um like just thinking every once in a while it hits me like especially now when i've some of my students are you know they'll tell me you know i'll see their birthdays today or whatever and it's like when were you born oh 2004 and i'm like oh my god <laughs> what <laughs> yeah that that yeah that's uh I, i'm at the point now where i have I've had kids of kids, you know, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. old. So, you know, and, and those kids probably had kids way too early, but still we're at that point, but yeah, it's uh yeah. Time flies and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just cool. It's just cool to see where kids are at and I just, I love what I do and I'm, I'm glad to have an opportunity to share some stuff with everybody else too. So. Well, and, and you've been uh, of the people that uh, have been recommended to me, your name comes up a lot for uh, two different segments of people. Obviously the, the kids that I went to high school with who who were students at the time when you were a teacher, obviously, and coach. And then um, when I came back to, to, you know, teach and coach at North Salem as an adult, uh, then that group of students as well, um, who obviously, you know, were both of our students. And so I've had a huge subset of people who have asked me to have you on the show for quite a bit. And I've purposefully not because I wanted to wait for you to have this first year um, as the head coach at Lebanon under your belt so that we could dive into not only all of your experiences at North, but then also that experience of, okay, now you're a head coach and and what's that been like and and everything that gets into that. So, um, yeah, just really excited to have you on. Thanks, Max. I appreciate it, buddy. Uh, so I, I wanted to kind of go back because we also have another connection, which is that we both went to Pacific University, albeit separated by a little bit. Um, <laughs> you played you played football there, obviously, and um, had you know kind of the famous 1991 season where kind of a lot of, of crazy things happened, and um, uh, you were kind of the team's leading receiver. We, we went to a homecoming game a, a few years back and they've handed out like the pamphlets, the media guides and stuff. And they had the, you know, yearly leaders for everything. And your name's in there a whole bunch for receiving yards and, and catches and everything in 91. Uh, but then they, they kind of abruptly ended the football program that year. And, and, and then obviously didn't start it back up again for something like 19 years till my senior year at the same school. So you're at Pacific. Let's kind of go back to those days. You're there. The program ends. What, what was going through your mind at that time? Uh, I, w- I was, I was a little upset. You know, I, uh, 
I was a community college guy. I graduated from Lebanon and, and uh, I played with a guy named Eric Castle that was really good. And I, so I just didn't really have a lot of opportunities and I didn't know kind of what I wanted to do. I just want to move down to Southern California and just to be with my mom and started going to community college there. So I ended up playing football there and, and, and did pretty well. And then uh, Bill Slingler uh, was in California, who was the head coach uh, at Pacific. And uh, he had contacted me a bunch of times and he said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, um, I want you to come up and take a look at the place. Anyway, we, I just, I love the guy. He just, he hooked me in. And so had this kind of this, we didn't perform very well on the field. We had a, uh, a, a f- fantastic quarterback and offensive lineman and a couple young receiver kids that were pretty good and running back. We were just super young. And, uh, anyway, so had, we had a statistically had a pretty good year. I had a lot of catches and had a lot of fun and I just felt home. And for people who, you know, like the small college atmosphere, it was, it was just a, a great place to be. I felt, I felt supported. And, uh, so when they dropped the ball, um, you know, and they were like, oh no, we're not going to drop it. You know, we're not going to drop the program. We're going to keep it going find a way. And, you know, they were just pretty much, you know, at that point I, I thought they were just lying to me. So anyway, it, it was tough. You know, I just, I was a all league receiver and come back and we had some kids coming in. I thought would be, you know, we could be at least in the mix for, uh, you know, at least a 500 record kind of a deal. And so I was upset, you know, Max, that's, that's a, I, I, my times at Pacific or, of my college career are some of the most special. Uh, that place is pretty cool. Just the down to earthness of the people and everybody. So yeah, I was upset when that, when that happened. Have you been up to Pacific in the last few years? Um, I've driven by there a couple of times, you know, Jeff Grundon and I still communicate two or three times a year. You know, he's kind of the legend around there and, um, and he keeps inviting me and something keeps coming up. It's hard when you're, you know, in the middle of coaching to make homecoming and, and, you know, he just, Every year he invites me, and every year I'm like, I got to do that. So I keep saying this next year will be the next year I go. And and uh, <laughs> there's somebody that you work with. It's also uh, Austin Brown that I worked with yeah. for a while. That's a Pacific alum and football player. So you know we keep saying we got to make this happen. So uh, I just I've been by there, seen the stadium. I've seen how much has expanded. So it's it's still a pretty cool place for me, and the memories there are fantastic. That's what my wife and I always talk about is if, mm-hmm. if, if like we were ever going to move or anything like that, there's just something weird and I don't know, like really special about Forest Grove. And it's just like, uh, it seems like a really small community, even though, I mean, the high school is huge, but um, it just, it always, like you said, it always kind of felt like home to us and uh, loved our time there. It's But the, the campus is just so different. Even the last like 10 years, it has grown like so much. I keep looking at it going, man, we didn't, we didn't have a Starbucks on campus when I went to school there. Yeah, no, there was one place to eat. And, uh, you know, it, you know, the walk down to the pack center was through wooded trees. And, um, you know, remember, there's plenty of plenty of snowball fights that happened between there and the pack. But, you know, now there's all, you know, college apartments and stuff and, and housing stuff. But, you know, no, it's, you know, and the, the cannery field where, you know, we used to have our practices that just reeked and the bees were atrocious and, uh, you know, all those memories are gone. And, uh, but anyway, you know, it, it, we have to evolve. And, and every time I drive by there though, it's still, you know, like you said, it's just, you get to an age where nostalgia plays a, a big part of, of, of your life. And, you know, those memories there just, you know, the memories there are awesome. When did you decide or uh, maybe even just the thought crept in that, um, you know, staying connected to the game through coaching is something that you wanted to do? 
Uh, my, my dad's a coach. Um, he's still coaching as a matter of fact. So this is like year 46 or something like that. Um, you know, so growing up, dad coached us in every sport, you know, our family sport was baseball. Um, my brother was a, a really good baseball player and one of those guys that, you know, that set all kinds of records and, you know, and going to the little league world series, he didn't go to the world series, but, you know, tournament stuff. And, uh, was in the thick of that as a 12 year old. And so, you know, we just grew up where baseball was number one. And, uh, so being a coach's kid, that's our, our weekends were our Friday nights were at the gym playing basketball with a bunch of families growing up here in Lebanon. Um, weekends were, uh, hitting grounders to my brother and I was shagging, um, you know, and as football, we were watching football as baseball, we're watching baseball and basketball, we're watching basketball. So, the, it didn't. It didn't take long, you know. I, I knew that's something I wanted to do uh, pretty quickly. And you know, when, when you you always have dreams and aspirations as a player, when you're you know have some pretty good statistical things to maybe give some out of college experience things to try. But you know, athletically, I wasn't quite there. So coaching was just a natural thing. I just I love being around the game of football. I love coaching, and uh, I, I knew pretty on. I'd say probably in high school that was where I was going to kind of narrow myself down, be a teacher and a coach. I know we ended up crossing paths. You you came to North Salem High School at, to teach, you know, weights and PE and stuff. I think, I think two thousand five, two thousand six, or maybe two thousand four, two thousand five. Which one was it? Uh, five six. Okay, five six. So I was a junior, so that that lines up about right. That's when I finally started actually caring about the weight room. Took me a while. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of kids are like that. I have I have a handful. Uh, of freshmen right now who um, and it's the same every year you get a handful who are you know the the, the elite you know five percent or ten percent who show up already in love with the right room and they understand how important it is and then you've got um, a pretty good contingency of kids who think they really love a sport but they don't love the weight room yet and so it's kind of like well yeah at some point you gotta at least fake that you love it right and so um, you kind of came into my life at that time and so you kind of played a good role for me but um, I wanted to go back beyond that so obviously in 1991 Okay, your football season's over. Two thousand five. Right now, you're coaching at North. So, what was what was in between those two points? So uh, that was my junior year at Pacific. And, you know, I was uh, leading catches in the conference. You know, kind of established myself. You know, for the first time in my life, I was kind of a you know where I wanted to be. You know, uh, individually, but not where I wanted to be team wise. Um. You know, and that whole thing, part of that, you know, the Eric Ross situation, Eric uh, and I were on the same uh, field at the same time when that happened. So anyway, so that that was not not fun for me. So when I'm OK, figure out where I need to go. So I had plenty of opportunities to walk on some places uh, and Chico State had recruited me pretty heavily uh, at a JC. So went down to Chico State and had a had a blast, caught a whole bunch of footballs and had fun. And so. That was my senior year, but because of the transferring everywhere, I was kind of down credits a little bit. So I transferred back to Pacific, graduated that following year. So I kind of was at Pacific in 91, transferred to Chico, played my last year, uh, and then like, look, I want to go home. And Chico's a great place to, to play football, and it's a beautiful area, but it's not home for me. So, so came back, finished up there, um, started working at Gold's Gym, Nautilus Plus at the time, and got into the speed agility and quickness training side of things and the personal training things while I was finishing up my teaching credential. Um, and at that time, I was coaching at Portland State, and that must have been 94 and 95. So that was spring and summer. Uh, I never made it to the fall because I was 
continue with my schooling stuff. So uh, just volunteering there in a little cubicle, cutting up film for eight hours a day. <laughs> um, the old school way of cutting up film too. But, oh, yeah. Um, and then I was doing a speed agility cl- clinic at a little high school, and uh, Rob Castillo was the head coach there. And Rob's like, man, I could sure use somebody like you. I said, I wish you coach football. And he said, well, I played a little bit. And so uh, that parlayed into a uh, varsity wide receiver position and defensive back position at a low high school. And uh, and kind of the rest is history there. So three years there, uh, three years at uh, Woodburn High School, and then off to North. And at North, you know, that's obviously we crossed paths. I remember um, – I don't know how, how true this is. I think sometimes we make memories up in our own minds, but I feel like this was probably a pretty like uh, probably something that impacted me in a way that did lead me down to like this road of like, yeah, I could teach and coach. And it was, uh, it was kind of a unique setup when you, you, taught at North in terms of how the weight room went. We had a huge class and you, you guys would kind of divide it in two and you'd have one teacher uh, coach in the kind of weight room side and then you'd have one in the gym side. So you'd kind of have speed and agility and, and that sort of stuff on one side and then you'd have, you know, the, the actual um, weights and all the equipment on the other side. And I remember anytime you or, uh, or Paul Carey were, were gone, um, I was an aide uh, at the time as well. So I was in your weights class and then I was an aide for you. I found a way to game the system and be in there half my day. And uh, I remember you'd have subs and, you know, a lot of times it'd be just a little frail old lady, you know, just whatever, whatever kind of was willing to come in there. So um, I remember I ended up teaching or coaching a lot of the like speed and agility sides. I remember specifically doing a lot of ladder stuff. And um, for me in my own mind, it's like this formative memory of like, cementing my mind that I could be a coach and I could be a teacher. I don't know if it's as true as I think it was, but uh, at least the story I tell myself is that was a pretty uh, important, uh, probably five or six days of my life where I got to substitute basically as the, as a coach. Well, you know what, all all those things. And just for me, you know, I wasn't as strong academically as you were. I don't read as many books as you do. I probably (laughs) wish I had a little bit more time. Well, I have more time, but I just don't allocate my time like you do. Um, But I, that's, that's where I felt at home was in a gym on the field, on a court. Um, It really didn't matter what I was doing. So when the personal training side came in, I just, I love seeing the growth of people, um, I, I, I just love the interaction with people. I like to see when, when kids, you know, that aha moment, like you were saying, when they, when they put things together, when you see that, you know, cause we see a lot of potential as a head coach, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would say more times than not, the potential is not reached, but every now and again, you get that one kid that understands that, Hey, we have the academic piece in place. We have the physicality in place. We have the natural talent in place and the work ethics there too. And so every now and again, you get those kind of kids and it's just, it's pretty cool. I remember uh, just like personally, I, I feel like I pretty, I feel like I ended up maxing out my potential. I feel like I got there. I don't think there's a whole lot of natural ability in there. And I think I got as much out of it as I could. It all kind of came together senior year for me. But I know for you, you were at North Salem for a long time. And that's like I mentioned at the beginning, one of the reasons I wanted to wait until you got through this first year at Lebanon. Um so just give you a chance before we dive in, because I really want to spend our time on Lebanon, because that's what that's that's where I think the bread and butter will be for this. But um, I want to give you a chance and just kind of uh, kind of reflect on. Yeah, you were there for 15, 16 years. That's that's a long time to do anything. Um, obviously, you coached football for a long time. You're 
you know, jumps coach for quite a long time. And so um, just when you when you kind of look back and, and now that you've had a, a little bit of time to reflect, what, what was your experience at North Salem like? It was phenomenal. Um, you know, I, and it, it, North is not for everybody. You know, if you go right. to North yeah. to to win and you're you're basing your career on you know, uh, wins and losses then you know, by a lot of people's standards or some people's standards and, you know, you're, you're a failure. But to me, coaching is about relationships and, and, you know, at a place like North, I think somebody who maybe gives a little extra, um, support to kids goes a little further than maybe some other places. So, you know, at a, at a place like North, you, you know, you're, you're not just a coach, you're, you're a father figure, you're a mentor, you're more to those people than maybe what they would be at, at some place that, you know, where you may have a mom and dad at home or whatever. So, uh, the, the memories there, you know, as, I mean, that's the largest amount of time I've ever spent at one, sorry, that largest amount of time I've spent at one place. And, uh, you know, you have brothers, sisters, cousins, uncles, you know, everyone's coming through. And so people know you. And if you have a pretty decent reputation, you know, it, 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 it carries a little bit of weight. So, you know, Max, my, you know, coming through there with Robert Carey, who is one of the most knowledgeable coaches I've ever been around in my entire career, his brain worked differently than everybody else's. That's a college level mind, you know, trying to adapt to a high school game. He was just incredible. The amount of stuff I learned from him. And then coming in and following someone like Jeff Flood, um, same thing, who's just, you know, the amount of time and dedication that these guys were putting in there was pretty incredible. And then obviously uh, someone with caliber of Don Berger, you know, those, 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 I mean, the people I've got to learn from there coaching wise um, and then the relationships I have with those kids and I still have. Um, are pretty fantastic. You know, I'm in this church league basketball and I'm playing with Scott Starkey and Zach Kirk, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you know, those are, you know, some, I just, I feel pretty blessed, honestly, for my time there. Well, it's, it's interesting because that those first few years at North um, that you were there from, you know, probably, you know, 2005 up to, I don't know, 2009, 2010, that group of kids that was there, including myself and, and uh, you mentioned Zach and Scott and just a lot of those guys. Uh, it's, it's really interesting because it seems like you have kept such a good relationship with everyone and they have such good memories of you. Uh, even like you said, you're still <laughs> playing basketball with some of them. And so it just, um, it's pretty special. And I, when people ask me, cause I, you know, obviously I ended up leaving and going to South Selm to coach, but uh, the, a question I get asked a lot is that like, what's, what's the, kind of the biggest difference, right. Between South and North. And my, my answer is usually really honestly, that at North Salem, kind of what you were getting at, like you feel like you have much more of an impact, um, like as a person on other people. Uh, and so at South, I feel like I have a good impact on our baseball players. I feel like I have a decent impact on some students, but at North, it just felt like every day uh, with pretty much every kid, like you were, you had the potential to be like their most important person that day. Yeah. And uh, you know, some of those kids kind of like what you were saying, you know, I'll have a kid, um, for weights class in the morning, he'll be my TA in the afternoon. I coach him in football. Uh, and then you turn around second semester, they're in my class, they're my TA, they're doing winter track and then they do regular track, you know? So a lot of times, you know, I, I'm, I'm spending more time than them 
with them than maybe a parent would. Yeah. And it's for a reason, you know, it's, it's, it's for a reason, you know, kids like uh, Dylan Young who struggled early in his career and, you know, kind of, you know, you, you know, this, we, we, we're pitching the same thing. Some kids buy it, some kids don't. And the kids, you know, someone like Dylan Young who was struggling early on and, and bought what I was selling and allowed him to create maybe a different path that may not have been there without somebody who maybe just took a little extra time for a kid that was very rough around the edges at one point. And it's not an easy place to leave. And uh, you were there for 16 years. uh, And over those 16 years, were there opportunities to be a head coach? Were there times where you got close, where you thought about leaving? Like what was, because like you said, 16 years is a long time to be somewhere. You know, there are opportunities, you know, first and foremost for me, I'm, I'm a family man. And I, I think you know that about me. And, you know, there was just some stuff going on in in my life with one of them was my mom who was struggling with cancer. She passed away in 17. There, you know, there was three or four. I would say there's probably four opportunities throughout my time at North Air where I had some some good opportunities to move on and take a head job somewhere else. Um you know, but I'm raising my family. I have a 13 year old daughter who, you know, at that time when some of the things were happening, you know, and, and two older kids. So, um, you know, the older ones were kind of set and kind of, you know, we had a normal pattern. We were good to go. But then all of a sudden you throw in a younger kid, as you know, it kind of changes your, you know, philosophy of what you want to do. And, you know, I the time that you have to spend as a head coach away from your family is is different than as an assistant you know you don't have to go to everything says hey I, you know i can't make this clinic this weekend i got this but as a head coach you know you have to do those things so uh for me it was just life it just life wasn't there and honestly i was happy doing what i was doing i'm working with jeff flood and don berger and you know one of the most dominant track programs that you know around and doing things the right way and you know in football it's all it was hard because we were doing things the right way and we just you know sometimes athletically we just didn't match up with the you know with the west salems and the sprigs and the and the south salems on a regular basis and uh you know when they made the move down to 5a it made us a little bit more you know day-to-day game to game we're we're in a position where we can do some things so yeah it it's Again, memories are great. Um, hard place to leave. I did have some opportunities, Max, but in the end of the day, the out- opportunities did not weigh kind of where I was at in the situation I was at. You know, I was the lead weight room guy for a lot of years, uh, working with two incredible coaches, and uh, and pretty happy doing what I was doing. And then the spring of 2021 comes along, right? And uh, you get an opportunity to kind of ultimately go back like home, home, right? To, to Lebanon high school. So how did that uh, kind of situation all play itself out? Well, Ty Tallman was the coach here, you know, he won a state title in Lebanon. So he's, you know, he's, he's a legend in, in my hometown and he was ball boy. Him and his twin brother were ball boys for us when, you know, I was going through here. So um, really it's just, it's one of those opportunities that's, you, you had to take a look, you know, and, and again, my wife's an educator as well. She's a counselor and uh, she'd been working at Lee elementary and, and really liking it there, but they were making a transition. So when this opportunity arose, you know, the athletic director reached out to me and we're kind of talking a little bit and he's like, I think our, you know, I think our guy is going to be taken off. I think he's going to resign. And so I sat down with my wife and, you know, her ideal place to live is probably not Lebanon, Oregon. Um, 
Uh, but she, she found out pretty quickly, this, this place is, is pretty cool, has a lot to offer. Um, but it is different. It's not Salem Kaiser. Um, uh, and there's some pros and cons to that, but you know, that the conversation went pretty quickly, you know, first thing was talk to my daughter, you know, are you okay with, you know, doing this? And she's kind of a country girl, a little bit like her dad. She's like, yeah, let's go. So, okay. So wife said, okay. Daughter said, okay. You know, the other two are kind of up and doing their own thing. And so I'm like, okay, let's, uh, let's see if we can do this, make this magic happen. So with support of them, you know, if they would have both, if either one of them would have said, Hey, I don't think this is the best move for our family, then it wouldn't happen. You know, I'm, I'm not that guy that needs that ego to be the head coach. And, you know, um, I, I just want to impact kids. And uh, if I can do it as a head coach and still have the same amount of impact, then then that's what's going to work for me. I think that's one of the the bigger questions that I was probably going to end up asking you is is kind of that question because um, it changes things. I think when you have a kid, like if I were to move jobs right now with a two year old, I mean, big deal, right? But uh, to do it when you have have kids who are kind of established, obviously, I kind of think back to like my own experience, like if you had taken me in middle school and said, Hey, uh, you know, we're going to move, you know, 45 minutes south, and you're gonna have to, you know, move with us, I'd been like, no way, like I'm staying here. Uh, And so that's one of my big questions is like, is kind of ensuring the family is on board, because like you said, uh, everything I've seen about you and everything I know about you is that kind of family is obviously the, the number one thing on your list. Yeah. And, and I feel pretty blessed. You know, my wife was a head volleyball coach. She had made her round. She's head coach at Sprague and at North Marion. So, and for volleyball. So she, she understands that she was division one athlete. She was a stellar athlete in high school. So she understands um, the dedication and the opportunities that come around with those kind of, of jobs. And, you know, she, she sacrificed quite a bit for me on this one to move away from a job that she really loved and enjoyed to allow me to finally kind of chase my dream. Um, and then I think my daughter is just, she likes change. <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of a creature of habit. I don't like change. This, it was, it was a hard decision as much as, you know, on paper it seemed like, Hey, I get a chance to be a head coach in my hometown um, where my whole dream started. Um, really it, my daughter's like just the opposite. She's just like, Hey, let's, let's, let's do this. It's an adventure. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. If everyone's on board here and to be honest with you, chaos ensued as we tried to sell our house, tried to buy our house. We finally got in our house like the last week of August. So we're moving just before terrible timing. <laughs> well, gosh, yeah. So new jobs and and for both my wife and I, a new school for my daughter. And, and then come to find out because of COVID, we couldn't get our dog fixed. And so we have two of them and we had a puppy. And anyway, he matured at the wrong time and so we moved and then a week after we got here we had eight puppies and no fence and oh my gosh yeah it was mass chaos and but uh you know again those are memories that uh to me it's about creating memories and uh those memories will definitely not be forgotten so <laughs> some of them are better than others but yeah the kid those are good ones where you get to look back and laugh at which is fine yeah de- definitely uh, yeah. can laugh yes without yeah. a doubt so, I mean, obviously, over 16 years, you had an opportunity to see a lot, hear a lot, learn a lot. Um, and I think one of the things that comes up a lot that I that I think I say quite a bit, too, is that when you become a head coach, you don't really know what you don't know sometimes. Um, and I don't know how, how true you found that after being a coach for so long prior to this. But um, when you first took over, they're like, OK, Troy, you're the you're the new head football coach at uh, at your alma mater. 
what were kind of your first things? Like if you, did you sit down and make a list where like, what, what was your process? I guess, once you were named the head coach. Um, get as good a staff as possible around me. I mean, you, everybody who coaches everyone, we all know this surround yourself with people that, that are great. And, uh, you know, the prime example of that to me is always Don, uh, Berger. And, you know, so I, I, I reached out to, you know, it's, it's, I was fortunate that um, I at least had some association with a lot of the current staff that were on with me. So finding them and talking with them and getting them on board, I think, was was job number one. Um, and, and that happened pretty quickly. So pretty much everyone that was on Thai staff uh, retained with me. And, and it was a very seamless transition. It was actually quite enjoyable. Uh, so I feel pretty blessed there because, you know, I, I mean, you got football, it's there's such so many moving parts, Max, and trying to be able to get somebody who can coach the defense and linebackers and D line and O line. And, you know, so I had a great O line coach who I played with. And so anyway, it's just that part was job number one. The other, the second part uh, for me was getting to know the kids. I, I've got to make some inroads with these kids as quickly as possible. You know, there's a new guy coming in and, you know, what's this guy about? And, and it's hard creating relationships when I have that baseline, right? At North, those baselines. So even kids coming in knew, hey, you know, Walker's an okay guy, you know, so you had a little bit of that going on, or maybe he's a jerk, I don't know, but at least you had some prior, right? You had some prior kids that say, hey, this guy's okay. And so everyone comes in, hey, well, so-and-so says he's okay, so he must be okay. And then over time, you develop the rest of those relationships. But here you're starting from scratch. And so, um, first things first, obviously I had to make a connection with quarterbacks and, you know, who's my quarterback's going to be, who my leader's going to be. And again, we had, um, a kid named Waylon Wolf here, whose dad, Chad Wolf, uh, I've known for a long time, Levin, a guy played at uh, university of Washington. His kid is now signed on and going to play at Carroll college. So he was our defensive leader. We had a, a great uh, quarterback kid who was a great offensive leader. So I felt pretty comfortable right off the get go that, okay, made connection with, my staff made connections with the kids. Next thing I didn't make connection with community. So quickly we got into our community service piece, which, which is the foundation of my program. Um, we've got to give back to these communities and a small town like Lebanon community is, is so huge. Uh, and the tradition is so rich here. So I just wanted people to know, look, if you're going to come support us on Friday nights, you're going to see us out in the community doing, uh, giving back. So those are the three, kind of the three first steps is that I wanted to kind of make sure that we had my staff in tech, uh, make sure I got to know, started getting to know those kids quickly and then uh, start reaching out to the community. I, I noticed that at your introductory kind of press conference, you, uh, I, I found a picture of it last night while I was trying to do a little bit of research and, uh, uh, and you had cowboy boots on and I immediately knew like, okay, yeah, he gets it. He's, he, he's home. <laughs> yeah. And I've always had cowboy boots, you know, I, I know. I, as a PE teacher, it's hard to wear yeah. cowboy boots on a regular basis. So being a PE teacher for over 20 years, you know, it, it, my wardrobe is limited. So my wife <laughs> laughed at me. She goes, you're buying a new pair of boots and five pair of jeans. And I'm like, yeah, honey, I don't get to wear shorts and a t-shirt every day anymore. So, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I had, I had at one time I had 51 sweatshirts, oh, um, man. And over probably over 300 t-shirts, you know, and I pared all that down. So my wife's going to make me a quilt at some point in time. But, you know, I gave away most of the other stuff. And, you know, some of those stuff are just memories I'm not going to give away. But yeah, so, yeah, that's so what... change, change of wardrobe, wardrobe was definitely in. in Yeah. 
my, my wife jokes with me about that all the time because obviously, you know, I've, I've been at South for now. This is year six. So pretty much all the clothes I have now are South Salem baseball clothes. It's very uh, annoying for her because it's pretty much everything I put on all the time, not just not just when we're at school. And I, I always joke around of like if, you know, if we ever did move or if I ever did, you know, go to a different school or something like that, I'd be in the same boat as you. It's like, OK, I got <laughs> to reset the whole wardrobe now. Yeah, what what do you do? I mean, my favorite sweatshirts all have North Salem. I can't wear them. You know, I <laughs> I, I I teach a zero period uh, block with a first period weights class, so we have our advanced kids there in the morning. And so you know, I'm down to you know, I have like ten sweatshirts because I haven't built up my Lebanon supply yet. So I'm like, I have to go buy sweatshirts for the first time in my career. It's yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> it's uh, the small things that you don't think about. Um, <laughs> Correct. When you, you mentioned the community piece, obviously. So, you know, you, as somebody who was from Lebanon, I think it obviously we both know it definitely helps you kind of develop that rapport with with the players, with the community members and everything like that. It also helps you because you know what the community is all about. You've, you've, you've been around basically, right? So when you looked at that community piece, like what types of things did you guys do or like what types of stuff do you plan on doing as you continue your, your time there? So what we did is I, you know, one thing, I'm not the smartest guy, Max, but I understand, again, putting good people around you. And um, so I, Scott Defoe and I talked a long time ago about, he goes, look, I, I hire somebody, I think it's his wife, but director of football operations. So one of our, my O-line coach, the guy I've known forever, his wife is Wendy Eilers and Brian's my O-line coach. And and uh, she's got uh, a couple kids in the school still, and one of her boys is our, our starting center. And I said, look, I need a director. I need somebody to handle all the behind-the-scenes stuff, all the communication piece, and where we can best be serviceable in our community, visible, helpful. And so she's obviously lived here a super long time and has deep roots and connections into the community. So um, I – you know, I know people, but I know the older generation. So there's a generational gap here, even though I've, I've come through here and see, I still have friends here, but you know, there's still a large amount of time where I'm not here. So I wanted somebody that's kind of embedded in the community. And that was one of the best things I did. She's actually a part of my staff. Um, so uh, what we did is she reached out through two community service pieces and one was through the Lebanon PD and they do a huge amount of volunteer work. And so one of them, the first one we spent, it was a long time. They're building a path along uh, one of the lakes here in town. And it was an old logging lake. And they since then, they've done millions of dollars in restore, uh, restoring it. And they have now a walking path going along. So we spent five hours clearing this path of rocks. So <laughs> we have 80 football players. All we're doing is throwing rocks all day. It was yes. highly entertaining. It was a really good way for us to kind of, you know, so we just made, had fun. There was a big, huge embankment. And uh, so we, we picked targets and we'd throw. And so I had, you know, 10 coaches and we all had about eight kids or so. And, and uh, it was fun. Again, it was a long day and we were up and down all these rock stuff, but, you know, we made the fun. Uh, <laughs> it was just pretty entertaining. So that was the first one. Uh, the second one was another one we did uh, through, again, through the PD that was organized. Not all of it is, they just have, community reaches out to the Lebanon police department and they have a community liaison person who's in charge of that. So, uh, pretty good hub. So the second one was just helping a shelter. 
Uh, we took about probably 25 or 30 kids and just helping stack and store supplies, just do manual labor stuff. Uh, the other one was 9-11 ceremony. Um, so we got a hold of them and they did a, a huge ceremony here in town. And so our kids, uh, I think there's probably, I think we had probably close to 70 kids there that day, all holding flags um, as a memorial thing went around. So we were kind of in a town square when that happened. Uh, and then we helped out at a community car wash for the Boys and Girls Club. So. How cool is that? Yeah. I mean, just the first off, two things. One, uh, Scott Defoe's idea that he had hiring his wife was phenomenal. And then for you to copy a similar thing and have somebody kind of in charge of that. Anytime you can find someone smarter than us to do something that's important, (laughs) (laughs) go for it. Um, And then, you know, obviously the community community service thing is awesome, too. I think it helps a lot, especially in a smaller community, too, because then like you – you have a much higher chance of getting those people to then come out to the games, right. And like support the kids. And then it's not like you're doing it for, for the money, but the eventual byproduct of all of that too, is that down the road when somebody owns a business or is running a business and they're thinking of like, you know, who could I support with some of my money? Like the Lebanon high school football program will start coming to mind because you get that exposure. So it's not that you're doing it for that, but it's a really nice natural byproduct of being good people. Correct. And that's, you know, when I came through here, we, money was never an object. You know, I think our football budget was probably $8,000. You know, every year we would have new jerseys. Every year we'd have a full sweat outfit that we'd wear on Thursdays out, everyone matching. So, I mean, money was flowing. So, as you know, now money is not flowing and fundraising is a huge part of just staying afloat. You know, I just, I met with the helmet guy and we're like, how do I come up with $10,000 for helmets? I do this. We're kind of in a bind. So it's a story for another day, but um, yeah. So, you know, my, my philosophy is, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try to take care of the community that takes care of, of our whole school. You know, it, it, what's fortunate is we don't have to, you know, we're not, we're not fighting off South Salem and North Salem and McKay and, and, you know, so, you know, being in a one horse town, you do have a little bit more of that. Uh, I do have some community members that, you know, I have an association with that have been extremely helpful in our for every, you know, it's great as we have a couple of people in town that may have played football or played basketball or played baseball, but they support everything, golf, you know, drama, band, it doesn't matter. They support everything, the whole community. So, yeah, I, I, I realized pretty quickly that money is is part of that but i want our community members to see our kids in the community because friday nights you know we we weren't fantastic this year max we were hoping to be a little better we're a playoff team but we're still packed and it's it's pretty cool and you've been to plenty of north games that you know there's not maybe a lot of fans there which is kind of sad so our people come and support our community and and i just want to see our kids not expecting that without giving something in return. Yeah, it's I think it's really good for them to do that. I think it's good for them to understand that they're part they're they're just a, a piece of the whole picture and you know people aren't just showing up because they want to watch high school football. They're showing up because they want to support kids who they they believe in and they want to they want to support those kids who are out there doing that sort of stuff like the 9/11 ceremonies and and 
cleaning up, <laughs> throwing rocks at each other and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yep. um, Kind of, kind of switching to the other side of that. Then you know, obviously, community service is a huge part of building programs and and that community relationship. The other part, I think you might have hinted at it a little bit, where when you first took over, you were kind of calling some of the kids and getting to know some of the some of the positional players. Um, so then that kind of bleeds into the idea of leadership, right? And um, trying to install leadership in athletes and i've heard i've had the opportunity now through this podcast really to like meet and hear tons of different coaches from all over country who kind of approach it in all different ways i've had some who are like nope we don't even talk about leadership and they just naturally become leaders others have like really defined leadership plans so as you're kind of looking at lebanon high school's football program either this past year or or maybe changes you're looking forward to in the future uh what's kind of the leadership building uh philosophy, I guess, that you have? You know, leadership's a tough thing. Um, as a kid, I was, I was, I would not have considered myself a leader. I was definitely a, a quiet, do as you're told, uh, there early, last one to, you know, first one there, last one to leave, out work, out hustle people. And that was my model of leadership. And so as I've evolved as a coach, Max, I don't know if I have a, a set foundation yet, you know, as a, but this, I guess where I'm evolving to is kind of where I know that you kind of talked about as one of the highlights that maybe talk about is it's character building more than leadership and the way we're doing that. So Bill Volk, who we coached together at uh, Aloha, who was a head coach at Aloha for quite a few years, who just stepped down. You know, him and I had many talks about character, and and I think Don Berger's the one that really was like, "Look, we can't just it can't just come and teach kids track and field." There's you know there's there's ten kids that are going to go on to college, or five kids, or one kid that's going to go on and do college track and field. Um, we we want to get deeper into this, and so for me, having been with Don, and where there would be weekly lessons where we're trying to develop mental toughness and relationship stuff. And so for me, I don't know that the word leadership is specified other than the head coach or the head, you know, for me, it's, I got to have that. The leader's got to be the quarterback. It, it's got to be, he's got to be the guy that's the first one there, the last one to leave. He's got to be able to know what every position is. So out of that position, typically you breed leaders or Let's say if you have a great athlete who's not a great leader, he's probably not a quarterback. You probably move him to running back or receiver. Um, but for me, kind of where the natural leadership is going, and after talking with uh, Bill Volk about this quite a bit, is you know we take practice time, and we had a hard time implementing it this fall. I had everything kind of lined up to do that, where every coach would have a small group of kids, and then with COVID hitting, and mm -hmm. each week we'd be down one or two coaches, including me. It's like I, we can't do it. It's just no way. So we are evolving to that. And the model is small group work uh, twice a week. And even if it's 10 minutes, we've got to get deeper. I don't want kids to leave my program saying, hey, I know a little bit more about football without saying, hey, I know a little bit more about being a better human being. And that's got to be critical for us. When I had Don on uh, the podcast sometime last year, um, that was one of the lines that he said that really like stood out to me too is that he kind of had that that line of essentially like you just said of you know if if they leave here and all we've done is help them you know run faster or jump higher or whatever it might be like we have like royally failed them 
as people, because, you know, when you go off, as we all know, when we go off into the real world, like, okay, cool, you run fast. Well, that's not going to really help me when I need you to do the dishes tonight, right? So <laughs> right. it's like, it doesn't really help. And so, uh, yeah, he talked about how he would do that kind of weekly focus and stuff like that. And uh, it, that kind of thing makes a lot of sense to me, but certainly COVID has thrown a, <laughs> a wrench in all of our plans for everything for Correct. too long at yes, this point. All now. of that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it is frustrating. Well, I, um, I tell you this, can, if I can expand on that a little bit. So go for it. Uh, and again, you know, Bill Volk and I are, are fairly close. And, um, you know, I, I was talking with him about this because I this is, you know, right up my alley. This is what I want to do. I was looking for something to go a little deeper. It's just hard in football, right? Because it's more learning, more learning, more learning. You got to get it in. You got to get it in. You know, track is a little bit easier. Like, yeah, hey, you do your sprint workout. We'll talk for 10, 15 minutes here. We're good. But with the skills based and, you know, and you got obviously you have 11 kids going on the field at one time and, the you know, so the team aspect is a little harder to do that with. So I talked with Bill and I said, well, how do you fit it in? He goes, Troy, you make it happen. He goes, the one year where we are league champ, uh, you know, I think they tied with Jesuit for the league title. And he goes, that year we had a phenomenal group of kids. We were winning games it was easy to put it in, right? You put your install in in the spring and the summer, you know, there's not a lot of new stuff in. Um, he said it was impactful and our kids talked about it in their post-exit interviews saying this was, you know, the everyone breaks with the term family, right? They get their huddles and they know oh, family. And, but, and I, I see this too. A lot of people do that, but the only time you say family, the only time it means anything is when you say it at a huddle break, but you're not doing anything to reinforce that family. So when I was talking to Bill, he said, well, the second year came and we're getting our butts kicked. We lost our first three games and we're like, hey, we got to get more in. We got to get more in. So what the first thing they cut, they cut the character time. And he said, after week five, we we were one and four and the kids were ripping each other apart. You know, that the whole thing that they had built was gone. And the team leaders came up, said, coach, we need to have that those two days in. He said, we have to have that. That's important. So even though he's the whole coaching staff was bitter about it, they put it in there and he said to turn the whole season around. They didn't win, but one more game, I think that year. But he said it saved the whole program. He goes, you have to find time for it. And that's when it really started clicking to me, like win, lose or draw. We we got to teach kids more than X's nose. It's that important. Well, that goes back to kind of your earlier point, which was about like uh, when you're talking about kind of North Salem and if if your if your vision of success means that you're going to win a whole lot, uh, maybe it's not the place for you. And I think that's part of a, a kind of a, a larger conversation that I think some people probably uh, probably need to have a little bit because I think in our society too, we watch you know we watch uh, college football and and obviously you know, professional sports and it is kind of about winning, right? As a coach, if you're not winning there, you're probably going to get fired. And we get to see all these coaches, even that have maybe like a winning season, they still get fired because they, maybe they didn't quite win enough. Right. And so it kind of gets back to this idea of kind of redefining, uh, we're just maybe clarifying what success actually means at the high school level, because, you know, if you only base it on winning and then like you said, if, you know, if one kid goes off to play college football or baseball or soccer, whatever it might be, whoop de do what have we done for the rest of the kids? Yeah, and it's, you know, and I think the pressure at North Salem is different than the pressure here. You know, our superintendent was a University of Washington, um, you know, All-American guy and uh, a legend in this town, uh, Bo Yates. And, 
you know, he was part of the hiring process as a superintendent. So that's how important, you know, um, sports are in this town, especially football. And you know, I know that coming in, but it's not going to change my philosophy. Do I want to win? I Most people don't ever see that super uber competitive side of me um, just in the day-to-day operations. But, you know, there's, there's a reason that I had some success as an athlete growing up and, you know, my work ethic and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just gotta be more than that. So, but don't get me wrong. Uh, and it was great cause I learned from Don. Um, I, I, I want to kick butt. I want to have yeah. a reputation as, as a winner, but not at the expense of trying to do things the right way and teaching kids about life. Yeah. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the right piece of it is that you can't, you can have both, but as long as you're not, you're not neglecting the more important one. And I think that might be the, I think that might be the the better way to put it. That makes a lot of sense right. to me. When you, when you look back, so, you know, now that we're, and this is kind of the reason I wanted to wait to, to reach out to you to bring you on. Cause I wanted to give you a chance to have your season reflect on it for a little while and then come on here and just like, let's talk through it. So um, year one, um, I know you, you guys were a playoff team, obviously, and you, you, you got to have obviously a full season, which I think we could probably call a success here in Oregon over the last few years of just getting the kids the opportunity to play because of all the stuff surrounding COVID. It's been really hard to do that. Um, so now that you've had a chance to kind of reflect on it um, and you're looking forward into uh, year two, um, what are some of the, I don't know if change is the right word, but um, kind of what's the direction you're, you're trying to go here in year two? Well, year one, you know, without having... Uh, spring camp without having a team summer camp, you know, coming in and, you know, I was not even moved yet. And I was coming in, I was commuting four days a week from, you know, from, from Kaiser uh, down 11 for the weight room stuff in the morning. And then we had seven on seven uh, a couple days a week and, you know, hit one little seven on seven um, uh, little tourney thing. So, you know, again, trying to get to know kids. And so there was still, you know, as we came into just before our camp started, there were still, you know, 20 kids I had not seen. Uh, we had, we did a middle school camp where we had three middle school kids the first day. And then the next day we had 10 and the next day we had 20. Um, so just, just, we were late to the game. Uh, we were still installing after week three, you know, and we're not super complicated offensively, but I didn't know what we had, you know, we ended up having a, a 1300 yard rusher, and Braden Burton, and I didn't know who he was until the first week at camp. And so, you know, the camp before double. So he was busy working all summer. So I had no idea who I had and, you know, something here, okay, this is what we have these pieces. And so uh, just coming into next year, Max, what I'm looking forward to is, you know, we, we've been having our football meetings and uh, we will have, you know, hope the goal is to have 85% of the offense in, uh, by team camp. And so when come fall, we should be kind of a well-oiled machine. We'll have our identity. We know who the pieces are. We know what we're capable of doing. And so I'm not going to be transitioning to a brand new job. I'm not going to be transitioning to a brand new house. Um, you know, so that routine part of things on the backside of things will be secure. So we can just focus on playing football and allow our kids to play fast. Let's say everything goes the way you kind of envision it and plan it 
and we're looking back two, three, four, five years from now, um, not so much the success on the the field part or or whatnot, but just from a community standpoint, or or maybe even from an opposing coach standpoint, if somebody asks, you know, three, four, five years from now, assuming everything goes the way you would kind of envision it, what are you hoping people are saying about the the Lebanon High School football program? You know, what I hope they're saying is the same thing I said to Josh Craig, the Silverton guy who just stepped down. Um, Silverton kicked our freaking butts and they <laughs> helped us up and they kick your butt and they help you up. There wasn't, uh, you know, there was no cockiness. There was no arrogance. They were a fantastically coached, super athletic football team that did it the right way. And that's what I want our kids to be known for. Um, it's okay to win and play physical and still be a gentleman about things. Um, you know, my, that was the way I was raised. Um, I was a different kid until you stepped on the, on the field. And it took me a while to be able to flip that switch max where, cause I'm, I'm, I think I'm a pretty nice guy. And, uh, and my dad's like, you can be a nice guy until you step between the lines. And not that you're being illegal or a jerk or anything, but you've got to, I've got to turn from being the nice guy. And my dad used to call me Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde until you find, you know, <laughs> Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll is going to dominate and you're just never going to, you know, athletically, you're just not going to be there. So, um, I, I just, I want to do things the right way. I want to do it. I want to be f- physical. I want to be, you know, and in my dream season, we get no unsportsmanlike, we get no personal fouls for, you know, any of that, that, that behavior stuff, which we had a few of those in, at, early on as we kind of you know, learning a new system with a new coach. So I just want us to be known for uh, a fundamentally sound physical football team that does things the right way. I've been getting into uh, kind of geeking out on practice planning lately because obviously we'll, we're about, for baseball, about three weeks away from being able to officially start start real practices. And I think, I think that's natural for all coaches. We try to find mm-hmm. ways to make our practices more efficient and better and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I think for us this year, uh, our school district changed the release time. So our practice kind of time is a little bit shorter because we have to start about an hour later than normal and still want kids to be able to have lives. And uh, so just thinking about practices and how you tended to run practices. So um, just like if, if someone were to come to a typical day at Lebanon, what's, what's kind of the practice model? What does it look like? Well, I, I think early on, and again, this last year, I think it's hard to judge just because yeah. we are so far behind. I think in an ideal situation, we're in and out within, you know, two and a half hours, you know, three hours is kind of the allotted time, but really there are some practices towards the end where, you know, we're not doing any install, which is kind of where I would like us to be by, you know, week two or three next year. You know, he's going to have a little tweak here or there. So I think I'm pretty traditional with that. We're going to go in and have our normal stuff. Uh, Mondays is kind of our film review day, walk through, make sure everything's ready for the week, which is so different from my Mondays growing up as a kid. Um, but that's just kind of the way we, we've evolved to that. Tuesday and Wednesday are early, only, you know, um, padded practices and, you know, contact is limited. Um, again, different from what I used to do growing up, but, you know, numbers of kids and injury risk and all that kind of stupid stuff that we have to think about now, which is not stupid, but it's just, you know, it's just where we are. Um, and then, you know, Thursday is a, a prep and, and polish day. And then Friday we're hitting the door rolling. So, um, 
you know, we're, I guess I'm pretty traditional. I don't see anything like revolutionary in what we're doing, but we do take, you know, coaches advice into play. We'll take, um, I don't want kids out there all hours of the day. I think football is part of their life. It doesn't need to be the only thing in their life. So I kind of agree with what you're saying. Kids got to have a life too. When you also, you know, for all of us, obviously, when we're, you're trying to build a program or maintain a program, even, um, you have to have kids showing up, right? At their freshman year. So I, I've said this before jokingly, but also kind of serious, like the best, if you really want to be a good high school program, then just have really good freshmen who walk in the door and your, your floor is much higher and then your ceiling can be much higher too. Um, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but there's a, a definite truth to the youth part of it. And so you mentioned kind of some middle school camps. Um, what's kind of your vision for, for youth football? I, I don't really have any idea what it's like in Lebanon. So I guess what existed and then what's kind of your vision for it? Well, right now we have two separate systems. We have the Freedom Football League, which evolved via COVID. Um, you know, it's one of those things where a bunch of parents got together and said, well, you know, the school district can't do anything, so let's do something. And that's pretty much, at this point in time, kind of the, the club kids. So we have some pretty exceptional 7th and 8th graders that are part of that Freedom Football League. And I don't think there's any of that in the Salem area. I think it's all kind of Mid-Valley and South. So I think, you know, Lebanon, Albany, Corvallis, Eugene. Um, so what that ended up looking like for us is it actually ended up being okay. So when I came through here, my dad and Eric Castle's dad, Dean Castle, started a, a football program in all the rural schools. And they didn't have that. So we had two middle schools in town. So we were pumping, you know, 60 freshmen into, into the high school at all times. Uh, and there's a reason that, you know, Lebanon was pretty good back in the day. Well, fast forward that to, you know, four or five years ago, when we now have one middle school that has sports and all those other rural schools, which are one, two, I think there's three or four of them now, you have to bus in. And some parents were just not willing to do that. So when Lebanon wasn't doing so good about 10 years ago, there was one middle school pumping in 20 kids. And that was about it. And as you said, the more kids, the better. So what we've done, uh, and this is in place before I got here, uh, now, again, the busing stuff is established. And so some people are complaining like, hey, you know, we want all our kids to do middle school together. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think that'd be ideal. The problem is in having the Freedom Football League and having the middle school league, you're now developing two separate. So now it can double the amount of kids that are being dumped into the program, mm -hmm. right? So more so than quality kids, just as important as, quantity of kids, how many kids we are getting, how many bodies we have. And so there's some, I went to some eighth grade games, uh, went to the seventh grade games, uh, and there's some kids there that are still developing that maybe if they were in that freedom league, they wouldn't be playing, wouldn't be getting any reps and may not have fun and may not play. So we definitely have, there's, there's some quite a few kids that were playing in freedom football league that are pretty impactful players. Um, and then there's, quite a few kids in that middle school program that are developing as well. So right now we have two feeders coming into the, coming into the high school. And honest with you, I've dived a little bit into that. That's more of a spring and summer thing. We'll all kind of dig a little deeper. I want to kind of almost finish, but not quite finish, but kind of get into your different role now. So obviously when, you know, we, met each other and I was a student you were a, a weights teacher and, and a coach and then you kind of maintained that for a long time and now you mentioned you have the zero period so you get a little bit of that 
uh, but now you're the dean of students. So can you kind of explain what what your job during the day kind of entails? Well, yeah, so the highlight of the day is the zero period, first period block. So it's just like our advanced weight training that we had. Um, I get to deal with the best athletes in school, uh, most of them football players, but there's, you know, we have two or three exceptional. We have a division one girl volleyball player that's going to Portland State and she's just a phenomenal. She's a leader in the weight room. So I get that experience of working with those kids in the field that I enjoy. I work with uh, Craig Trask, who's the assistant wrestling coach, who is amazing in the weight room. So I'm handling all the speed agility, quickness stuff, and he's handling all the weight room stuff. And we pick each other's brain going both ways. But um, so that ends as I transition uh, out of that day. And then I put on my boots and my jeans and my serious stuff. And basically, I'm in charge <laughs> of all the discipline, Max. Um, so from a guy who, you know, didn't write one referral in 20 years. Yeah. Um, I'm dealing with those kinds of kids all day and, um, pretty, it took a little bit of a adapting for me. Um, and then what I did is I'm going to put it on. So Ty Tomlin was it before me and Ty is, is, is pretty like, Hey, you do this, you do this and, and nothing wrong with that, but that's not kind of how I am. My job is to create a relationship just like I did as a teacher. So, my job, I'm, I'm trying like crazy to create relationships with kids who really have a hard time creating relationships. And uh, after the first semester, I, I think I'm kind of breaking through a little bit. So um, it's definitely was a transition. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm dealing with discipline stuff pretty much all day long from skipping to vaping to truancy to fights to whatever. Uh, so never know what you're going to get. So my job is definitely open-ended um, and there's never the same day twice. So I've evolved yeah. to it. I have, I have a great group of guys around me uh, and ladies around me and we were, we're kind of getting our groove a little bit. So at first I was questioning whether I could do this for an extended period of time. Now I kind of thinking, I think we have a little hand on things. I think this is something I could, I could possibly enjoy. Yeah, well, that's what kind of came to my mind, because obviously when you were at, at North Salem as a weights teacher and coach, you were uh, obviously really loved. And as a coach, it's really nice because you get to be around all these kids all day long, especially as a, as a weights teacher, right? Because then you get to be around the athletes. And so you get to meet you know all the different athletes and be around them. Makes it really easy to develop deeper relationships with the players that you coach, right? Kind of seeing them in a different in a different setting. Um, and then as a dean of students, you, like you said, you're not really, the, the day-to-day isn't hanging out with all the kids all the time. It's, it's a different subset of smaller people every day. But then that's kind of where my thought went too, is that it's, to me, it seems like your personality and the kind of person you are. Um, and it's exactly how I imagine you dealing with discipline too, the way you described it. Um, to me, it's kind of the right person to have in that spot, because I think a lot of the kids who end up in, you know, kind of in your office, so to speak, are kids oftentimes who need that same sort of relationship that you had and mentioned about having with a lot of the kids at North Salem. There's definitely some parallel there. You know, typically the kids I'm dealing with are, you know, there's there's some issues at home and they're struggling with support. And, you know, it's as a teacher, you get a chance to see that kid every day. And, if, you know, if you're not, whatever reason, you're not able to build that support with another teacher, then, you know, you blow out of classes or whatever. So, yeah, there definitely is some parallels there for sure, Max. 
I want to finish with this because I think this is probably the most important question you're going to get in your life uh, and a chance <laughs> to kind of let the rest of the world know about it. Um, what is the club volleyball scene actually like? <laughs> club volleyball scene is intense. It's expensive. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, older daughter went through that quite a bit and the younger daughters is much more into volleyball and, uh, you know, Kansas City comes up in two weeks. She's 13 years old. We've been to Longview, Washington twice. We'll go to Kansas City in two weeks, Spokane a week after that. Um, so, you know, that's all money, <laughs> you know. that. <laughs> so, yeah, it, you know, but you do things. So we were, we were talking the other day, a couple of buddies of mine, and, you know, the difference is when I was a kid, there was no club, club, club basketball. AAU just kind of started. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, the era of the three sport athlete has since kind of evolved into, you know, well, I play volleyball, but then I play club volleyball and then I play sand volleyball and then I have clinics in volleyball. And, <laughs> you know, pretty soon you're like, there is nothing else but club sports. And, um, you know, and I have a hard time with that as a kid that, you know, grew up playing football, grew up playing baseball, grew up playing ba you know, basketball and those whatever sport was in season, that's what we were doing. And, uh, you know, so every now and again, PE class, they're like, wait, you know how to play catch? You know how to, you know, <laughs> you know how to hit a wiffle ball? You know how to shoot a basketball? Wait, what? I'm like, yeah, buddy, I, you, you put a ball out there and I, I've done it at some point in time. So uh, yeah, being, a, being a parent, you know, is, uh, it's interesting as a volleyball parent. So you just go and support, get your lawn chair. And, and uh, I don't understand why they play who they play or you know, all these stupid rotations and what's a six one when there's only six kids on the court, how can you have a six one uh, or sorry, a six two, that's a setting rotation. I'm like, there's only six kids. How they have a five one or a six. Two. Anyway, so I'm still learning all this stuff. My wife just kind of shakes her head at me, but uh, I wouldn't change it. I love it. Um, I, whatever my daughter wants to do, as long as she works hard and is committed to what she's doing and improve, I, I don't really care. So and sh this is where she likes to spend her time, this and track. So um, I'm, I'm just a happy, I, I get to be a parent and not a coach, which I'm, I'm I get to be, just sit there and, and clap and cheer. And when they win, I'm happy when they lose, you know, we, we figure out what we need to work on and, and I get to be a dad again. I don't have to worry about lineups. I don't have to worry about kids grades. I just get to go and be a dad. So that part I enjoy. I don't need my kid to grow up faster, but I am excited for that. I tell my wife that all the time about how nice it'll be to just go to a game and, and just like be a fan and watch and not have to worry about any of that stuff you were just talking about. Well, there, there is some other worries, you know, like, you know, a couple of times the game's on the line and we got to have the serve and she misses the serve. I'm like, ah, you know, and then I don't want her to see me disappointed. So I'm like, yeah, you know, anyway, so, <laughs> I, you know, I, it's, I, it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I tell my daughter it, it's hard right now. Um, and I, I tell myself this too. I don't want to be in my day-to-day -day operations about 99% of the people I deal with could, could care less that I'm a football coach. Mm -hmm. My daughter could care less that I'm a football coach when, you know, we're, when I'm, you know, we got our music going and I take her to school every day. She comes to school with me and then takes the bus from Lebanon to, to, to the middle school. She could care less. Uh, my wife could care less that I'm a football coach. She just wants me to be a great husband. My daughter doesn't care. She just wants me to be a great dad. You know, 
yeah, there's those moments where, you know, I think they're proud of the things we're doing and that kind of stuff. But everybody I meet throughout the day, most of the kids have no idea that I'm the head football coach and they don't, they're not judging me on that. So at the end of the day, again, this is why it's so important to teach quality human being traits that are maybe not being taught max. And that's, we got to teach kids how to be great human beings because it's not trending in the right direction. Um, if you watch the news, which I try not to anymore, the world's in chaos. And, you know, I just, I just think, you know, if I can be a positive influence on a kid for a day, that's going to be a heck of a lot more important than me winning a football game. It is. I, that, it's funny you bring that up because I have in class quite a few times with, uh, you know, just with English students. Um, <laughs> and, uh, someone mentioned something about baseball or something and they're, you know, Anyway, someone eventually says, oh, yeah, he's like the head baseball coach. And like they could not care less. Like they don't, it does not matter at all to anybody. Or if I'm like getting coffee and I, you know, somebody asks me, you know, like as I'm, you know, buying it or whatever at the drive through line, like what you do. I'm like, I, you know, I teach and coach and like it's just like there's just so much that goes into it. But like you said, there's just there's so many more important things that we can be than just a coach. And so um, I know you've been that for a lot of people um, for a very long time, myself included, and I can't thank you enough for it. And I just wanted to give you kind of this one last opportunity with the mic. If there's anything, I don't know, we missed or you want to say or (laughs) whatever you want to do with it. Um, Here you go. No, I, I, you know, I just, I appreciate you. I, I, I appreciate the friendship that I've had with all you guys. And, and I don't know what it is about that, those first three or four years of classes, maybe it was before my youngest daughter where, you know, I could make it to more baseball games and I could make it to more maybe, basketball yeah. games with coaches, things that I wasn't able to do, you know, when I had a young daughter um, and young kids at the house. Uh, but, you know, some of my closest relationships are with those kids. And, you know, I, I, I think you pretty much, tackled everything that's important to me and and what I didn't have to do it those are all things because I think you and I are kind of built from the same cloth a little bit and I think uh relationships are are the key to this this whole thing and if we can teach kids some fundamentals in our sports and show them that we care about them a little bit and teach them how to be a, a better human being then hot dog man we're we're getting some things right so I appreciate you reaching out Max and uh I love what you do. I do have a, a coach's kid who's kind of started his own podcast about two years ago. So uh, if it's okay with you, I might uh, try to get you in touch with him or him in touch with you just to kind of see, because this is something he wants to do professionally. He's like, I want to be an ESPN analyst. Uh, <laughs> and it's like at, cool. at five years old, that's what he wanted to do. So. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd be happy to. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, thank you. I appreciate your time, obviously, for everything you've done for everybody and so many of the people that I know and that that I love and then that they love you. And um just so glad you're able to do this thing and uh excited for you and happy that you're able to kind of go home and and become a head coach at a program that means as much as Lebanon means to you. So very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, man. Hey, good luck in the spring, okay? He is truly one of the best humans I've met. Uh, you know, caring about winning, um, as we all know, it's really easy as a high school coach to care about winning. I can't remember who said it, but, you know, one guy I was talking to one time said that we all want to win. Like, you don't get into coaching sports because you want to go 500 or below and just be okay with losing. Caring about winning is easy, but doing it while caring more, let me say that again, doing it while caring more about helping young people do things the right way, become better humans, find their own self-worth, 
That's difficult. That takes intentionality. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Troy Walker. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And no matter where you're listening, hit that subscribe button. Most importantly, if you found any value at all from this episode, and of course you did, or any previous episode, share it on social media. Uh, send it to someone via email. Uh, tell someone about it. doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we ultimately grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Walker for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveline Plus for sponsoring the episode, and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you. <laughs>